Welcome to Health Naturally on 2NURFM 103.7. Greg Richard here, joined by Dennis Stewart. Great to see you back again, Dennis. Very good to be with you again, Greg. Very good. Excellent. Now, the last few weeks, you've, what, you've covered chamomile, is it lemon balm? Correct. And peppermint. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. It is. It's You're not, there. It's not written down in front of me at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, we, we did look at those, and uh, for some weeks, we dwelt on the properties of those famous but well-known European herbs. Today, what I want to do is to look at spices, uh, herbs that are generally used in cooking, but also have profound medicinal properties. And particularly, we want to look at chili, or what is botanically known as capsicananum. Capsicananum. Yes, that's the technical name. And and when you're in herbal medicine, um, you, you always uh, gravitate towards using the technical or botanical name for the herb because herbs are remarkable, remarkably famous for sharing common names and that can be very confusing. But when you're talking about uh, capsicum uh, or cayenne even, where medicinally we're talking about the herb capsicananum, which is the one that has the pungent, rather warming characteristics and the one that has made a, a remarkable impact on traditional or folk medicine that goes back many, many years indeed. And it might seem rather odd to listeners to to think that, that a herb that is popularly used in Mexican cooking, a herb that is famous for its pungent heating qualities that is the basis of, of many dishes which we eat occasionally, uh, listeners might be interested to know that that same herb, capsicum, can be used medicinally when used regularly as part of a lifestyle, as part of a, a discipline. The herb, when used regularly on a day-to-day basis uh, in a specific dosage, can be used to address pretty serious health problems. That might sound strange, but I hope as we go through the program we can look at the possibilities of the regular use of capsicum or hot chilli, if you like, particularly in a, uh, an encapsulated form, which makes it more tolerable, or as a medical herbalist in a tincture a form, which is a liquid preparation, which is, again, very economical and very um, easily taken. We'll look at the way in which those preparations, based on this common herb, have remarkable properties to address common health problems that many of us experience. Excellent. So we're in for a bit of a spicy one. I think so. Oh, right. Well, well oh. done. Well done. I feel a bit dirty for saying that too, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Before we get to Anne from Warners Bay, Dennis, you just mentioned a little bit earlier that you want to just quickly say about the, sort of the, the modern um, yeah. return of sort of chilies yeah. coming back in. and Yeah, well, it's an interesting history as to how the herb has impacted on what we might call the, uh, the Western situation. It was always a popular herb used in South Asia in what's called Ayurvedic medicine, which is the traditional medical system of India, um, cayenne and similar peppers were a backbone remedy and popularly used to treat diseases associated with circulatory problems and diseases characterised um, by respiratory symptoms, particularly a lot of congestion or, or mucusy or what we call cold symptoms. It was famously used in Ayurvedic medicine, and I've lectured on it for many, many years, the importance of that herb. But in the Western traditional system or in, the, in what we might call Western folk medicine, 
It was made famous in around about the 18th century by a chap called Samuel Thompson, who is regarded by Western herbal medicine practitioners as being the father of the renaissance of herbal medicine in the Western world, particularly in the United States. And he uh, began to use uh, cayenne or chili, as people call it, with great success, particularly in addressing conditions associated with, with the cold, circulatory conditions, um, respiratory conditions popularly, and it became even more famous uh, during the American Civil War, and it was popularised by uh, the, the Mormons, uh, who um, are great lovers of herbs. Traditionally, uh, Mormons have been great supporters of herbal medicine, and many of their uh, books I have read with great interest. And they wrote widely about the capacity of this herb to address pretty serious uh, circulatory disorders that were common and popular in, in that sort of cold climate. And from that, it began to creep into treatment protocols for things like bronchitis, um, things like angina, things like peripheral vascular disease, things like uh, peripheral ulcers. It became, uh, began to become a component and particularly popularly used for what we refer to in our trade as catarrhal conditions, that is conditions characterised by excess mucus or congestion, particularly associated with the upper respiratory tract where it's famously used as part of a treatment to address uh, that condition, uh, recurring colds, uh, sinusitis states, and uh, of course, post-nasal drip. So fascinating history. Samuel Thompson, the great pioneer of Western herbalism, particularly the American complexion of it, uh, taken up by famous American pioneers, particularly of the, of the Mormon faith, and um, found its way uh, to England and other parts of the English-speaking world where it became a significant component of many formulations, many of which I still use today, particularly for the respiratory system. So a fascinating history, and listeners must realise, whilst it's good and uh, very enjoyable um, to use uh, foods that are, uh, are flavoured with, with cayenne, uh, we're talking more seriously now about the regular ongoing use of the herb as a medicinal agent which can be used to address pretty serious conditions when you're dealing with something like um, impaired circulation to, to the legs and feet uh, and the way in which that herb has been used to address that problem you begin to realize that the herb is more than just a culinary delight yep. some people wouldn't call no, it a culinary delight <laughs> but it is a very valuable agent because it works profoundly on the circulatory system. And in our system, it's known as a circulatory stimulant. Oh, I can guarantee it does clear out your nose. Uh, it, it seems to do that very well. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, we've got Anne from Waters Bay, and she's got a question about polymiglia. Polybiology, is Ma. it? Anne, are you there? Yes, yes. Good, uh, good afternoon, Dennis. Hello, Anne. How um, are you? I'm good. Well, thank good, you. Good, good, good. Um, I was diagnosed with polymyalgia in June yes. 2021, yes. so I've been on prednisone since then, yes. but I am down to one milligram oh, because good. my levels good. are coming down, yes, good. thank goodness. Well done. And I've also got the synovitis, which is the inflammation yes. of the hand and wrist, and yes. I'm wearing a brace at the moment. Yes. Um, should I be taking a joint um, muscle supplement or something like that that would 
Well, poly- polymyalgia rheumatica, as you'd appreciate, is characteristically an inflammatory condition and a very painful condition. And the treatment mm. that you have undergone, um, basically a, a prednisone or steroid-based treatment, is a very, very successful treatment. And uh, I think there's not too much that can compete with it as far as bringing about pretty prompt relief from the wretched condition and by your being on one mg of prednisone you have demonstrated the normal transit of treatment which is to start uh, on a a more elevated dose and under your gp or specialist work down progressively to a very low dose where you're at now where the condition has virtually burnt itself out so Mm. well done there what what i would say um, as a practitioner of herbal medicine I find um, great confidence in using Astragalus formulations, particularly the combination known as Astragalus 8, because... I take it, that every morning. Oh, good girl. Well done. How long, have you been, how long have you been using it for? Oh, goodness me. It's got to be about eight years. Yeah. Well, look, it's a great supporter um, for particularly these chronic uh, inflammatory states that are debilitating and stubborn in their retreat. And um, I think you've done the right thing by being on Astragalus 8. And I would uh, encourage other listeners to think about that uh, for part of a complementary treatment for this condition. You've nearly burnt it out. So uh, I would continue doing what you're doing there because that's good management that you've been working with. As far as your your hands are concerned, are they uh, particularly painful, are they? Um, the right one is at the moment, and yeah, I've got the brace on, okay. and I've got to wear that 24 hours a day okay. Look, at the moment. Yeah. One, of, one of the things that I would suggest, and it's uh, economical um, and pretty uh, easily accessed, uh, we're talking this morning, for instance, about the herb capsicum anum, or, or what many people refer to as chilli. And what I've been trying to do is to make the case for saying that it has more profound medicinal characteristics than what many people uh, appreciate. Now, the the science behind the way in which this herb can work topically, that is, as an agent applied uh, to a joint um, or to the skin, is very, very sound indeed. And let me just explain it to you. Uh, mm. Capsicum or chili contains a constituent called capsaicin, Now, that is a very, very significantly well-defined and well-understood agent for subduing pain associated with joint and muscle conditions. It works particularly well, and it's fairly accessible. Um, Run it past your doctor. He may know something about capsaicin or capsicum, but if you're good on the net, you can Google it up and see what I'm saying is very soundly based. Now, interestingly, there are numerous preparations that contain capsaicin or capsicin in them uh, in the marketplace, health food stores and pharmacies. Stiff, sore and sorry is one of them, which is very good. Uh, Pain away is another one that's very good. And the pharmaceutical (coughs) product known as Zostrix. Which one's that? Zostrix, Z-O-S-T-R-I-X. Zostrix comes in two strengths of capsaicins, start off with the lower level, your pharmacist would understand. Now, it's usually used for what's called post-herpatic neuralgia. That is, people that get shingles sometimes are left with an excruciating, lingering uh, pain 
coming from the uh, the nerves that have been affected by that mm. virus. Now, yeah. Zostrix is a useful agent to use, particularly where the shingles um, is on um, areas of, of the of the of the trunk or the, or the uh, the thighs. Preferably, be cautious if one is using something like that around the eyes, because it can be a little bit uh, burning initially. Some people find that um, capsicum-based products have a bit of sting associated with them. What I would say is uh, use the lower strength preparations because okay. you can then get a somewhat of a benefit from them and then you can move upwards, so to speak. I'll probably talk more about this later on, but getting back to, say, Zostrix, your pharmacist will uh, might be surprised uh, to learn that I'm recommending it as a potential agent for assisting managing localised a joint pain um, in something like this where it can be applied but start off by using um, a lower strength percentage of capsaicin your pharmacist or health food store retailer yep. should know that i would suggest that you you try that you can also get um how can i call it creams or ointments which might be uh, in some ways a better application uh, for the joint and for your hand. Um, there is um, a, a number of them in the marketplaces. They're sometimes called up as um, hot, hot heating balms or um, uh. heat rubs, and they're nearly all incorporating the, uh, the, the capsicum uh, with a percentage capsaicin in it that virtually guarantees some relief from these joint problems. Um, I think that I'd be working around that as far as trying to give you a little bit more relief until your condition entirely burns out. Great, great advice. Thank you so much, Dennis. Give it a go, give it a go. Yep, we'll do. All right, thank you. Thank you. It's Health Naturally on 2NURFM. We've got Joseph from Dudley and he's got a question about prostate cancer. Hello, Joseph. Hello, it's Joseph. Um, yes, I um, mainly frequent visits to the toilet in the night, and um, and sometimes I find it difficult, you know, going back to sleep. And but there's no pain or anything like that. And um, I'm 73 years of age. I um, I've been using a product by the name of Prostagenics for a couple of months, and. Um, don't seem to have any, any effect or any help. So I'm just wondering what um, you can guide me to. Okay, so you've been using a product because you have, uh, is it prostate enlargement that you're talking about or is it more serious than that? No, well, it's not an enlargement. It's just going to the toilet frequently mainly. Just frequency. Okay, yeah, yeah. well, the the reason I'm, I'm raising that is that uh, frequency is a common symptom associated with prostate conditions. Um, prostate enlargement frequently manifests itself a lot, unfortunately, with what's called nocturnal frequency, that is getting, getting up to have a pee at night very frequently is a common symptom associated with some levels of prostate problems. Let me just ask you a, a question first, though. Uh, you've obviously discussed this problem with your general practitioner? 
Yes, with my doctor. Good, because yes. I say this to, to all listeners, your GP is your prime contact therapist, and particularly when it comes to something uh, uh, like any alteration in the functioning of the urinary system, or, or indeed the bowel should uh, immediately be, be checked out by a general practitioner who may, in, in fact, refer you on to an appropriate specialist. I'm glad that you've had it checked out. Did your uh, GP um, recommend anything to use? No, they, they haven't, no. So, okay. So your basic problem is um, urinary frequency, and that occurs mainly at night? Mainly at night, the problem is. Okay. And you're using a, a, a product, um, but it doesn't seem to be helping you too much? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, look, um, the, the the main the main herb that is used by natural medicine practitioners uh, is the herb uh, saw palmito, which is an American a South American herb, and the berries of that are yeah, well are, are well known and and may well in fact be in that preparation you're using. But these days, some some of the better results, in my opinion come from combining that particular herb with other herbs that have been shown in more recent times to also influence the, 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 the function of the urinary system. And one of those is nettle root. Nettle root. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, now, nettle root and saw palmito in combination uh, give, in my opinion, an improved result in lessening some of the symptoms of associated with, with, with the prostate. So uh, if, you, if that's not in the preparation you're taking, I would be uh, looking around via your pharmacist or your health food store to get a preparation that contains both of those herbs. All right, okay. Now, I, I'm not giving away any secrets in a, by saying that I myself use a combination of saw palmito and also nettle root. Um, all, all, well, when I say all males, most males will develop some problem with the prostate gland, enlargement being probably the most common. And one of the symptoms associated with not, not just enlargement, but uh, what we might call aging prostate functioning is, yeah. is, is frequency. And I t take that preparation as more of a preventative agent and it, it works well for me, I believe, very strongly in using, right, using herbs from a preventative perspective. So uh, I would suggest that you look for a preparation with saw palmito and um, nettle root in it. If you have trouble, contact my rooms at New Lambton and I'm sure we can help you. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank um, you. Yep. Um... And we've got Beth from Cameron Park. She's got a question about turmeric for inflammation. Hello, Hi, Beth. Hello. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Yes. 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 Okay, fantastic. Good. So I've just recently been diagnosed with lower lumbar... Just lost you there, Beth. Sorry. ...in my L4, L5, which is compressing the nerves in my yes. L4. Yes. Now... I've the GP's prescribing, obviously, some cortisone injection or yes. possibly seeing a surgeon. Yes. I'd like to not go down that track just yet okay. um, and see what I can do. If I, there's, I know about, like, the, the turmeric for inflammation, I don't have any pain in my back. It's just radiating in the hip. 
so that must be where the nerve is hitting. Okay, okay. Is there anything that you think that I could be um, trialling before I go down that real medical okay. avenue? Well, uh, to be to be fair, um, sometimes sometimes uh, a cortisone injection is 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 useful therapy. I'm not opposed to that. I've uh, acceded to it myself on occasions. Yep. Um, so yep. uh, your GP's thinking correctly, and and uh, I I would think that that is is an option that you would think about before going a, a surgical pathway. However, oh. however. Um, it, it, did the condition come on quickly or has it been uh, progressing or lingering? Or no, how? No, no, it's been quite quick, yes. And, and yes. it's been definitely related to, to, your, um, to your vertebral system, your back, in other words? Yes, yes. Okay. Look, what I would be suggesting is that you take on board some of what I have said earlier in the program, that I would be suggesting that you use a topical preparation, that is something that can be applied... And some, right. something that incorporates what I've been talking about this morning, that is the well-known uh, characteristics associated with the uh, pain-relieving characteristics of the chemistry of capsicum. And I, if you can uh, go to your pharmacy or the uh, health food store or a practitioner that, um, that stocks preparations of creams or lotions that contain... Uh, capsicum, or what you would probably know as chili, I would think that that would be useful as a means of applying it to the area where the pain is suspected to be generated from. Because okay. the principle associated with capsicum is that it, it builds up over the site where uh, pain is being generated from and uh, then effectively lessens the transmission of that pain that's the way in which we understand it works um yeah the yep. there there is a preparation that used to be very very popular um i still prescribe it to my patients called rem shards r-e-m-s-h-a-r-d-s rem shards uh, electric balm now what a funny name but it's a, yeah. a it's a preparation that goes back to a pharmacist that developed it at the end of the uh, of the end of of last century, the, well, the end of the nineteenth century, actually, uh, and it was based then on the emerging knowledge associated with the pain relieving characteristics of the chemistry of capsicum. So, Remshard's uh, cream um, is probably a superlative rem rendition of a topical preparation in a cream form that I have used myself, believe you me, in, in, for a shoulder condition, and it was the only thing that gave me relief. Um, it's an example of what I'm talking about. I think you would be wise to look uh, for that. Um, it's, it's a very, very useful preparation, as are other capsicum concentrated lotions and creams applied sensibly and cautiously because sometimes uh, people experience a bit of burning or heat sensation over the area where it's been applied. I would be, be, be using that. I'd also um, start using, say, some curcumin, which is a useful, what I mean, it's not a powerful anti-inflammatory agent, but it's a useful agent uh, to take orally to reinforce that topical treatment. That's what I would be doing, uh, a very safe treatment in my opinion, albeit anything that incorporates capsicum or chili as you commonly know it, 
uh, needs to be done uh, by doing a little patch test to make sure that you can uh, cope with the warmth of it. But if you can, I can vouch for it. You will get relief. And where are you able to recommend where I can get that preparation from? Okay. Always try locally, but if you can't, you can always get it from my rooms at New Lambton. Uh, okay, perfect. All right. And what about the curcumin orally? Can I just... Well, curc- curcumin is one of those oral preparations now that's readily available in most good health food stores and we've got oh, the best in Newcastle. Um, uh, where do you live? Cameron Park. Cameron Park. Oh, well, look, you'd, be, you'd be in close proximity to most of the health food stores and your pharmacy would, would also uh, convey or have good curcumin-based preparations. Okay, all right, fantastic. That's okay. wonderful. Okay, give it, give it a go. I will, thank you. Okay. All right, bye. I think it's Christine on the line from Firm Bay and she's got a question about zinc. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Christine. Um, I'm just wondering, my daughter is going to a dermatologist shortly. Yes. The GP feels that she has granular parakeratosis. Yes. Um, and my Googling has come up with probably a lack of zinc plus protein. Okay. Look, um, zinc is a, a useful agent, in my opinion, for most skin conditions. Um, yeah, that's fine. I just wondered what the maximum dose would ah, be. Ah, okay. Look, I, I haven't got it at my fingertips, but again, I would say uh, work within the recommended dosages. If you were to um, go just punch in zinc and RDA recommended daily average or daily dosage, you would come up with a dose range. That would give you the guides. I haven't got it in front of me here. But All right, that th- was the main question. She she starts back on the zinc before she sees the dermatologist. Okay. Yeah, look, I, I, um, I haven't got it in front of me here. I'll be back in my rooms in about an hour. If you want to ring my new Lampton rooms, I'm sure we can give you a dose there. I appreciate that. Thank you very okay. much. Good on you. Thank you. Bye. We've got Sharon from Belmont. She's got a question about the, is it Moringa leaf? Yes, that's it. Hello, Sharon. How are you? I'm well indeed. Are you you using it or what? Yes, I am. I'm just wondering what your opinion is of it, like for a general tonic. Look, it is put forward um, presently with great gusto. There seems to be a bit of a a push on it. Um, I don't uh, prescribe the herb uh, medicinally because it doesn't fit into my protocols. But I do know some patients that are using it for a general tonic purpose in the same way that uh, other remedies like ginseng and things like that are used, not for any particular health problem, but rather to promote a sense of well-being. So I think that's about the best that I can say. Um, it's, it's not something, I come back to the point, it's not something that I prescribe for a particular condition, but um, it is out there and being promoted as uh, one of these remedies that uh, promotes, if you like, vitality or well-being. Okay, you say that, but do, is it? Do you really believe it, or it's just uh, look? Taking it? Uh, uh, with, I've got to be a little <laughs> bit cautious here because, I, as you know, I'm a great fan and proponent of herbal medicine, yeah. and uh, but look, there's a big push on. Um, well, it's it's in every industry. And one has to be a little bit cautious that um, one looks at uh, the information uh, to sustain the claims that are sometimes made for products. Okay. 
Okay. So you can read into that if you like. Um, there would be information there. Uh, at this stage, um, I am not, um, well, I'm not prescribing it for no other reason that I don't know enough about it from, uh, from what I would call reliable literature. It hasn't been in my protocols, but that doesn't mean to say it's not useful. I've covered my bases, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I take the Astra 8. Oh, good so girl. That and don't worry about it. I have a, a feeling that people might be taking too many things. Too many. And, and if, if you are taking Astragalus 8, you're talking to the guy that introduced it to Australia yeah. uh, many, many years ago. And I consider it, and I say this quite sincerely, I consider it as probably being um, one of the greatest um, discoveries in my professional career and uh, used as a general preparation to maintain immune system health and well-being, uh, to pick up uh, after viral infections, to improve one's health profile uh, and to build up resistance to the ever-increasing viral and well viral barrage that we're confronted with. I don't think there's much that can compete with it. And therefore, I would have to say, look, whatever else you do, um, I think you should just emphasise your long-term benefit from that combination. Beautiful. All right, then. Thank you very much. For okay. Your Good on you. Right. It's Health Naturally on 2NURFM. We've got Andrew from Dora Creek, and he's got hot feet in bed at night. Yes. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Good, thanks, Dennis. Okay. Now, your hot feet... Um, I'm I'm asking this quite sincerely. Have you had it investigated? I have, um, in as much as they've prescribed um, some medication to assist with it, but I sort of haven't been inclined to take it. I wanted to take something more naturally. Okay. What did did your doctor diagnose it as? um, not, Not particularly, just prescribed, gave me a prescription and said, take this and see what happens. Okay. All right. Now, um, do you have any sort of varicose conditions, varicose veins? or No. Okay. Um, are you on your feet a lot? Uh, reasonably so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's only, this condition only asserts itself during the night? Yeah. Uh, I normally have to kick the covers off, uh, off my feet, um, more so in summertime, spring, summer and autumn, but wintertime, it seems to be cold, the air temperature seems to be cold enough to, to make me sleep uh, comfortably uh, without having to do that. But um, come springtime like now, I'm spending a lot of nights with just the feet hanging out of, out of the, um, the covers. Are you on any medication? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, mul- are you on multiple medications? Uh, yes. Yeah, mostly cholesterol. Can, cholesterol I, can, can I make a suggestion? Whilst there, there, there may be some uh, benefit in what uh, could be recommended for this from a natural perspective, always with these troublesome things for which there's no adequate diagnosis, look at what medications you're taking um, mm. and see your pharmacist and run it past him to see if there are any medications that you are taking that might have a dilatory effect uh, on blood vessels, uh, and, and particularly 
when the when the the bed is hot and or when the season is hot, see if there's anything that might be uh, aggravating the condition from your medication perspective. It may right. not be, but it's worthwhile talking to your pharmacist about it. Out, outside of that, outside of that, think of a, a mineral approach based on mag- magnesium and calcium. Okay. Yeah. Try that, but. I come back to the point, and I say this to all listeners, with troublesome things for which there's no adequate diagnosis, it's always useful to look at what you are taking and to check with your GP or the pharmacist to make sure that there's nothing in what you're taking that could be behind the cause of the condition. Okay. Very good. Okay. All right? Yep. Okay. 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 Thanks, Dennis. Good on you. Couple more things you want to mention about the capsicum before you head off today. Yes, look, we'll take it up again next week because what I want to do is to give to listeners a little formula, a little recipe, if you like, that will allow them to harness the uh, pain relieving characteristics of chili powder or fresh chili in a cream or oil basis. So I'll give that next week when we take the topic up again because we haven't really done justice to all that this herb can do. Yep. I haven't, for instance, mentioned the, the, the great role that it plays in assisting managed condition, uh, managing conditions associated with the legs and feet, where in what we call peripheral vascular disease, it's a very, very useful agent to persevere with for people that are fighting against um, that condition of circulatory impairment to the feet. It's a foundational remedy, and I want to give some examples that prove the potential of that for addressing peripheral conditions um, where they can be very threatening, where a, a quiet perseverance with even encapsulated preparations of chili or cayenne have been shown and even in my practice have demonstrated great assistance in treating vascular conditions characterised by poor circulation, even something as potentially problematical as Raynaud's syndrome. We'll look at it again next week. Right, Dennis, thank you very much and looking forward to talking. So that oil, yes. you, you can't just toss it in a stir fry or anything as well, can you? Or no? Well, you, you can, <laughs> but it would be an interesting result. Oh, right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.